three, two, one. Welcome to the Remote Photography Podcast. In this episode, I speak to photographer Dean McCartan about his remote photography experiences. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, Dean. Thanks for doing the podcast. If uh, people don't know who you are, can you give a brief description of your career? Uh, yep, yeah, sure. Um, so professionally, I'm, I work in cybersecurity, but obviously I'm a photographer as well. Um, I'm a disabled photographer. I have cerebral palsy, which affects my left side, so obviously makes um, photography interesting and obviously adds a different slant to being remote. So over the course of uh, your photography, how did you find out about remote shooting? Was it right at the beginning of the pandemic? Uh, yeah, it was quite close to the beginning of the pandemic. I forget who it was originally. But it's an advertise, and I thought, yeah, that's a great, that's a great idea. And then, obviously, as the first um, lockdown started started continuing, obviously, a lot more models, some that I'd already worked with in person previously, started offering it. So it was something that I was keen to um, to do as 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 a way of you know still being creative while being mm-hmm. stuck at home, but also a way to still sort of connect and um, be creative with my friends. Um, I think yeah, and that's one thing I'm very grateful for is a lot of the models that. Mm-hmm. I've worked with. Uh, I've actually worked with in person, and you know, I'd consider them very good friends. Um, so from that point of view, it's it good to obviously help support them as well as you know do something creative. I mean, obviously from a practical perspective, for me, remote shooting is very is, is very enabling because obviously you know I do have a disability, so my left side is um is weak. I think it's the word, but obviously I don't have full um full dexterity in my left side. So obviously in person creates its own set of challenges, which I enjoy because it means that not only do I have to consider the shot, obviously how I'm going to do it you know how to post the model but also you know, logistics of me actually getting into position as well can sometimes not be as easy as you would first think mm-hmm. and so obviously that's a consideration obviously when you're dealing with you're just connecting via your computer that obviously gives a very different slant to it because obviously my physical limitations are no longer an issue it's more yeah. to do with how can i be creative with the um self that the model has um i've got a great amount of appreciation for the effort and um you know planning that goes into remote shoots with models because it's taken a lot of the stuff that i would have to um pre-plan and prepare for on a studio shoot and they have to do it effectively for me which obviously takes a bit of time so obviously i expect that with re- with remote shooting that the number of shots you may get is vastly reduced compared to in person mm-hmm. um, but then again the quality can be pretty much almost consistent so you're almost getting a perfect shot every time and then you have the hard time of choosing which ones to use that's true <laughs> with yourself and Mickey that's something I, I really want to bring to the forefront because yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's yeah. an interesting one yeah You've sort of said how you found out about doing remote photography, didn't you? So I blame Rochelle. She was the one that she was the one that um, encouraged me to pick up my camera again after a number of years, which is what led to me to be restarting doing photography in the first place. And um, it's also sort of spun out from there. What did you see the one Rochelle did with me, or was it? Yeah, yeah. well, I've, I've 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 done one with Rochelle, but mm. I've known Rochelle for for a little while, okay. so it was. Um, right. But it was just through one of our conversations when she was saying that she was doing events. I think it was what mm. I think it was a shot she did post online and made a comment about it, and then from that she kind of said, "Well, you know, you really should pick up your camera again." Mm. you know and um you know sign up to purple part and so i did and you know kind of made myself sort of um begin the 2020 thought right well i'm going to start focusing on sites of photography i'd mm. never can never sort of really touched before beyond sort of family stuff 
mm-hmm. and I thought, right, you don't want to start lunch, you know, lighting and, and working with people. And so that's kind of how it kind of all started. And then from there, you know, obviously my first shoot was with the um, the forever um, gorgeous and funny Nicole Rayner and obviously Eva Lana and, and Stephanie. Mm-hmm. So I got to meet all of them at the same time uh, when the photography show was cancelled um, sure. last year. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was... Um, that was how it all kind of started, really. And um, from now, so it's um, it's an expensive hobby, but it's uh, it's rewarding. You know, it's um, mm. it's different from my day job. It's it's much more creative. I get to play around with ideas. I sort of wing it, just kind of throw a few ideas out and see what people think. And I always try and make sure that the models have, you know, they can bring their ideas to to the party, and we can just kind of throw about ideas and just try stuff. Mm-hmm. I tend to find the best way to do it is to, if somebody has an idea, is to just give it a go. As long as everyone's sort of safe, comfortable, and happy, then mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, that's that's fine. I don't think there's need for to be sort of um, conscribed to any sort of particular brief. I know a lot of models prefer to have like a mood board and stuff that so they can help plan their outfits and stuff. Uh, I'm more just let's see how we feel on the day because obviously one thing I do say to models because it's quite true is that just because a model works up to a certain level does not always mean that they want to work it exactly. with that, any one particular photographer so I always say you know we'll see how things go we might try this if you feel comfortable with me I'm not I'm very fortunate that I've never really had any any models not want to work with me and mm-hmm. I'm very lucky to know the ones that I do yeah and I basically just try and make sure it's have fun you know have, making sure the model's safe and comfortable happy mm-hmm. and and we just try and have fun with it. I think once you kind of meet them requirements, the rest of it just kind of comes together. I don't think there's any need for, for anything more than that. That's kind of just my style. And, you know, we'll just try stuff. I mean, obviously, working with the likes of Paper and Nemo, we, you know, we get to do some, some funky stuff. We'll try things, whether it works or not. We'll have a laugh. I was looking to be the second remote shoot for um, for Abigail Marie uh, a few months ago. And obviously, it was the first time we'd shot together at all. And to be fair, I think I have more photos of that shoot of her basically in stitches, um, <laughs> laughing. Than I think I do with her actually being sort of perfectly composed, um, but I think that sometimes is the is the fun of it. I know everyone has their own sort of style. I just tend to find you know, mm-hmm. story time and and then you know making sure people are, are having fun is is the key element because I just think everyone should have fun doing shoots because it's a fun thing to do. I think that's maybe the upside is because I'm not doing it necessarily commercially. There's not the same sort of requirement on me to be getting I suppose that shot. But obviously, when you get to work with people like Shell, you can easily spend an hour just getting that one shot. And through the course of a number of these remote shoots, I've had people that I've, that I've met in person. And literally, like, the first half an hour minimum of almost every remote shoot is just catching up. You know, it's just checking in with people, seeing how they're doing, you know, having a little matter about how things are going. And, yeah, there's a lot of models doing remote shoots from around the world now, and that tends to be... It's quite exciting because you get to work with people you never typically would think to try and work with. And, you know, it, it just opens the world of possibilities, especially when it's remote and all you need is an internet connection and a mobile. It's a, bit, it's a very basic set of equipment, but obviously you can go as elaborate to an entire studio shoot. So you've got from one extreme to the other. Mm. So you you mentioned quite a few models on that you've worked with during remote shoots. What countries and if you... Now, some of the names of the models off, off the top of your head, have you worked with? I've got a, I've got a few. Obviously, I've worked with about three models in the US, which obviously is Michaela, mm. Scarlett, and Alexa. From obviously for uh, from Europe, there's obviously been um, quite a mix. 
Um, I've shot a few times and I think the rest have been UK models, ones that I've wanted to work with and not had the fun time to, to schedule, obviously, with, mm-hmm. with my work commitments and um, keeping me busy and traveling around. Sometimes um, scheduling in-person shoots is a little bit logistically a nightmare mm-hmm. um, because I don't always know where I'm going to be at any one particular week to the next which is obviously a, a minor problem and obviously mm-hmm. trying to work um, work out logistics with models and studios. It's not always um, ideal. So I was very lucky to get to work with, obviously, um, Carl Monaco, Artemis Fauna, work again with um, Natalie Oliver as well, mm-hmm. um, as well as um, Charlie Rolls. The list in the UK is is is, is quite ex- is quite extensive, and obviously, um, Ivalana, Rochelle. To be fair, there's, there's so many yeah. um, that I've been very very fortunate to to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jade as well. So I've been lucky enough to to meet some people that I've never shot with in person doing remote shoots, and I'm so excited to to get the chance mm-hmm. now. Lockdowns are easing up to hopefully get to shoot with them in person because it's just been so much fun you know pushing what is possible during remote shoots because you would think well there is maybe some limitations in what you can do because obviously the technical setup requirements mm-hmm. are um as there's only so much you can do in regards to a tethered setup mm-hmm. um you know and the models having to constantly move around so you want to change from from landscape to portrait uh just heights and stuff a lot of the time unless you've got someone there to really assist in, in putting a tripod into the um the same way you have sort of you do have to work the angles a little bit and the setup mm-hmm. around it there are one or two interesting people out there that are doing it a little different obviously team black being one um obviously angel and jay black i did a shoot with them where john was very kind enough to actually free hold the camera for me so we could get into a, an angle that that i wanted but wasn't able to do from a tripod so there are ways around this i'm in the same as well with mr summers um poor mr summers happened to hang uh hang over hang over us hang over um a set of stairs yeah well rochelle and i try and get that killer shot i mean the guy you know must have uh guns like arnie oh, yeah. after that because uh that was a lot of fun and obviously we we're using a very long tether cable as well mm. to uh to run up the stairs yeah we spent a lot of time getting that one shot and it was yeah it, it, it was gorgeous it's a lot of fun <laughs> constant laughing readjusting trying things uh, but in the case of stuff like that sometimes it's just try it was literally just a, a try and experiment and um, we managed to get an active you know live um bare bulb in there as well which mm-hmm. just added that had that much more of a softer glove to it um to be fair, there wasn't a massive amount of editing to do on that one because it was pretty much yeah. perfect straight out of the out of the um, out of the camera. So yeah, it's really interesting the various different types of remote shoot. I mean, different moving to the other end of the scale. Um, I've done several cloth related uh, remote shoots using iPhones and you know, even on location uh, with Michaela. Um, you know, obviously in, in Turks and Kakos, obviously in the Caribbean. So we actually had it where the beach and you know um, we got some fun shots in the water. Obviously, you know, with support of um, of her partner to sort of hold the camera while we're doing that. So it's mm-hmm. there's very different ways you can do remote shooting depending on sort of the support and the collaboration, as well as obviously offering full tethered sort of yeah. setup. So there's there's ways to do it across the thing. And obviously most models have extensive wardrobes, which is very useful when doing remote shoots because they can they can quickly change and they know what they have access to. And it's a bit different than being in a studio where they've got to pack what they think they're going to need. Whereas at the home, it literally is a case of them just going you know, to the wardrobe and finding it, which offers a lot of options. But obviously it can be a challenge for some, for some models. And I've seen that where, you know, they haven't had, you know, the perfect space to shoot in. 
and some of it, you know, just requires a little bit of creativity, you know, and how you do, you know, and the angles pausing as well as um, use, utilizing the space available, the amount of varying looks um, that Charlie gets on her remote yeah. shoots. And, and, you know, there are a lot. Um, I mean, obviously, having shot with her in person, I'm aware of the space they're using. And when you suddenly see that in person, you can kind of see how versatile they've made the space. Yeah with the various backdrops and, and, you know, and the looks. And I was very fortunate to be involved in a group shoot where Charlie had a makeup artist do her up as the ice queen. Mm-hmm. And that was such an interesting look. And, you know, even the, even though the images straight from the camera was so, you know, were gorgeous to begin with the mm-hmm. fact that there's so many different takes I, I could take as, a, as an editor from, from that image, you know, obviously, you know, turning more to the blue tones in order to, you know, really create that ice queen sort of vibe. Um, with the silver on her face and it was such um it was such an interesting thing to sort of sit back and think once I'd even taken the photos you know what you actually arrive with mm-hmm. and I think it's been an interesting experience for most models to to have you know the have remote shooting capability to actually go through the kind of thing of working with not only people that've worked with in the UK mm-hmm. but obviously international photographers as well and I think that's um I think that's definitely been an eye-opening experience for models as well because it gives a different viewpoint and i think every time you work with anyone you come away with different ideas whether or not that be ideas you'd want to work with on that with that model in particular or just in general and i think because there's been much more sharing ideas sort of internationally due to this lockdown it's definitely uh, you know made people more creative and give people different ideas and from that point of view i think it's only been a good thing and i suspect it will remain even past the international lockdowns because it's just so much easier that you know, in a time like if I'd have wanted to shoot with Scarlett or Michaela, I would have had to physically go to the US mm-hmm. and then sort out logistics from there. Whereas now I can just literally, you know, send them a message and we and we book a time. And while that sometimes means, you know, working with international models means you have to adjust the time that you can shoot mm-hmm. to, to, to make best shoot to the light. And yeah, I've seen myself still up at midnight doing shoots for Michaela, but it's always been so much fun. Mm-hmm. And even when they tour as well. So, I mean, I was looking up to shoot with Michaela when she went to um, Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, so from that point of view, people traveling even internationally, it's still, you know, even domestically, they could they can still offer that no matter yeah. where they are. I've seen signs of that from some models already that are planning to hopefully travel once lockdown restrictions are over to offer, you know, remote shoots for that. And I think that's going to be an interesting take as mm. things move forward. The remote events, obviously, in regards to the Creativity Hub, um, I have a good friends, Nemo and Pippa. <laughs> They've run a couple so far, Christmas and one earlier this year. Mm. And um, it's been hilarious having met them both in, in person before and knowing how fun they are. But the logistics of, of that as well, I think in, in the Christmas um, the Christmas event, every technical issue that could have happened, I think happened mm-hmm. in that one shoot, which is the other side of obviously the stuff people don't talk about is that obviously, you know, you, you are heavily reliant on the internet connection, so that can cause problems. And I've had that um, definitely shooting remotely in the Caribbean, especially on location, was where the internet connection could not keep up with um, the video to a point where to a certain point I was kind of shooting in the dark a little bit mm-hmm. because the quality of the video couldn't keep up with giving me an accurate view. But obviously the photos that, that I got out of that were still amazing. So I was very lucky. Um but you just expect that you know when you're doing stuff on location remotely, you you likely are going to have a high failure rate. But to be fair, you could have that same that same prospect in, in person. I mean I find my personal 
sort of rate is about 25% of most photos I take when I'm doing an in-person shoot are either out of focus or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of that nine times out of ten tends to be um, directly related to my disability and the fact that I will probably move at the last second and my camera will lose focus. So it happens. Um, I probably should use a tripod more, but I tend to find that using a tripod creates a very static viewpoint, which kind of isn't my style. I always look for the, the slightly different angle than what is probably normal. So I try and see where if we can get a different angle. It just makes it look a little different. But like I said, everyone's got their own unique style and that develops over time. And I think the more you work with people, the more you get ideas from people, the more it's it's just an evolution. Because you've mentioned about tripods and stuff like that. Do you find that now maybe that's something you'll take into your in-person photography because you've experienced it remotely and you've seen the pictures that you can get? Do you think that's something you might look into doing in the future in, is, in person? It, yeah, it's definitely something I've, consi- I've considered um, for my next in-person is that at the bare minimum I'll try and shoot tethered where possible. Mm-hmm. Only because the fact that um, when the model can see the photo that's been taken, mm-hmm. it helps them because they can see whether or not they like the pose they've just done, if there's anything they need to adjust. And I mean, obviously, we yeah, I think we've both worked with some fairly, you know, especially when you're working with dancers, they definitely mm. have critiques that you as a photographer unless you're used to shooting dancers would not would not see uh, and so it wouldn't be something that was far far from in your mind something that you needed to correct mm-hmm. which i've got to thank poppy for that one because that was um that was something she definitely made me think about which i'd never had done before mm-hmm. which is obviously yeah dancers will see things that you won't and it's always good so i often try and take so many shots obviously we'll do a couple of test shots mm-hmm. to, to sort of zero in the settings then we'll see how it goes and usually about every sort of six to twelve shots i'll say a lot to take a quick break let's have a quick look through what we've taken you know just in case there's a shot we need to retake or something we need to adjust and retake it just gives people the chance to to have a look mm-hmm. to see how they feel about it you know is it something you know if we've got enough shots in that set or is it something we need to do some more of or is the new ideas that spawn from whatever we've just taken and that was the fun thing i mean even my last shoot with with eva lana was very much like that was we we took some shots and then she's like oh i actually want to try and get this shot you know and it ends up being very much um, a collaboration um which i really enjoy i mean i've done similar with um with charlie where we've ended up shooting um some jewelry together um just because she had to do it and obviously it was at the end of, of a shoot we were doing so we just kept going and obviously i helped pull some of it and you know make sure the settings were right and it just made for a you know a, a fun end to the shoot that was just um something that was unplanned mm-hmm. unexpected and, and that's kind of the way of it and um that's the thing you get when you work with with models um regularly you know you, you help to build up that trust i just that's my my feeling is that you should try and build as much trust as you can with the people you work with so that they know when they work with you that Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an ease off their mind if they know that you're going to try and do the best photos possible. I mean, obviously, every photographer is going to be on their journey from, from beginner to expert, if such thing really exists. But everyone has to start somewhere and everyone's on a journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone you work with, I mean, photographer, model alike, they'll all bring something that will develop you. Um, every day is a school day. You never stop learning. Mm-hmm. You never stop thinking about how how could you change stuff. I mean, I look at stuff that I took even 12 months ago. And I think I would have probably edited that differently now. I would have taken that differently. I would have adjusted this. And I think that sort of, it's healthy to go back and critique yourself yeah. um, from, from the past and just to see where you would, you know, where you would adjust things. And like I said, from that, I've been very lucky enough to work with some outstanding models mm. 
that have, that have taught me so much, um, albeit indirectly, because many that I've worked with are very accomplished, uh, accomplished photographers in their own right, and they bring a different viewpoint to those models that aren't photographers yet. I think most of them are on that journey eventually to do it themselves. Um, and I have said to one or two models that have never really picked up a camera before, with me next to in person, we'll do a role reversal, and, okay. I'll, and I'll be the dodgy model, and they can <laughs> learn how to work the camera. Um, and I think sometimes that's that's the fun way to do it. To not yeah. be too afraid to sort of um, mm-hmm. to switch things around. Um, with the models, I usually, especially in remote ones, I ask them to usually give me a heads up if there's any particular ones they they really prefer, mm-hmm. and I try and make sure at least some of them are in are in my final list of editing ones. Mm-hmm. Just because I think that you know models often look at photos differently than than photographers do, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's um, if that's more of a, a gender thing or just that models see things differently. Obviously, the different sort of sides of the same profession, obviously, and viewpoints is I, I value them because I then look at the ones I select and think okay would I is this one I would have chosen myself or is this one I would have sort of otherwise sort of rated lower and it helps to kind of think it from the other side to sort of see how is your thinking on it are you judging things in the right way again sort of falling back to being sort of critical about your work I guess yeah. I think it's also a model sees pictures of his or herself differently than a photographer would because obviously they've seen themselves in pictures thousands and thousands of times where we may have only seen them like during the shoot and the model might pick up on something where we might miss it so it's always good to get their input into a picture yeah I always do which is why I like to do the reviews as we're Mm -hmm. going along even in person I'm yeah obviously a bit more difficult um with social distancing but where possible you know i like them to see back of camera i like them to regularly go through see what they think mm-hmm. where possible if when i'm doing in person i do try and take regular breaks obviously when we do outfit changes and, mm-hmm. and other things where i will take you know i will buy i will i will load up the photos onto like an ipad at the very least yeah um, sort of while I'm in the studio just so I can check stuff's in focus and that. so I've seen with remote shooting as well you've used the Kloss app am I saying that right and yeah, um, how has that been because obviously with most aspects of remote shooting you're using a, a digital camera where you can get the raw files how has the experience of using the app and the results you've got from that um, Kloss is a funny one because it, it has evolved over the course of the last year. When I when I first started using it, it was um, limited functionality, but to basically for those that aren't aware of it, it is basically like a cross between video conferencing uh, and a remote shooting app. Now, as last year has gone on, um, it basically went from a place of going to the um, you know being out to JPEGs. And they were stored on a model's phone and they would send you them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the practical applications you're using it is you would basically start like um, effectively what people would recognize as like a Zoom a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd be able to see people face to face. And then obviously you would have controls that a photographer would expect. So you have some limited um, ability to set. Now, as things have evolved, you have the option to set what file type you want, mm-hmm. um, which on definitely the more recent um, iPhones include RAW so obviously with that they're quite large and they are stored on the model's phone unless you are a subscriber now and you have access to their pro cloud storage solution okay However, as with everything, it's still evolving and it's not perfect yet. It has a few issues I don't agree with in the fact that I can print once, if you use the the cloud storage option, you can, you can as the photographer, can see what you've taken. Yeah. But you can't share that with the model, okay. um, which I believe is something they are working on um, because I have fed that back to them because I think that is really important. Mm-hmm. But it is very different than, than obviously operate. It's very much like taking a photo with, with, your, yeah. um, with your own phone, except there's a delay... And, you know, you feel like you're button bashing a 
piece yeah. of glass, yeah. which is a which is another interesting concept. You tend to find that in that sort of mm-hmm. environment, you take a lot more shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I, I've done two location shoots with Michaela in Turks and Caicos using it, as well as people sort of local, um, sort of in the UK as well. But talking about doing it remotely, and that was very interesting because obviously you're dependent on a you know, a four five G signal on yeah. the other side of the planet while you're at home and you in your comfy Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> So, like I say, the video's not always perfect. Mm-hmm. You are relying on either having a tripod or someone there to hold the camera. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say you can't get great shots because yeah. you can actually get shots that are far above what you would call like a candid live action shot because you can compose it. You know, you can you can still compose it in the same way and you still have the, you know, minor adjustments such as exposure. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can shoot it in RAW and get the RAW format at the end mm-hmm. means you have much more ability to, to manipulate it. I mean, I know there seems to be a very big difference in remote shooters as far as UK versus US preferences as far as file formats. Mm-hmm. So I'm well aware that Americans predominantly prefer JPEGs as their as as their source medium um, for photos. I mean, obviously, a lot of the UK uh, photographers that I know that shoot remotely, we all prefer to use RAW. Yeah. So it is. Um, there's a, there's a little bit of a difference in in sort of um, file tastes. Uh, I'm wondering if that's because of uh, obviously JPEG being a lot smaller, because mm-hmm. obviously you even on an older iPhone you're still looking at RAW files of well above 10 meg. I mean, obviously, compared to DSLR, that is a small change. Mm-hmm. But the fact you still have the power with that. Um, but, yeah, it's the fact that you can you can basically take your phone to places you wouldn't typically be yeah. able to take a full laptop, you know, um, even if you had, like, a 5G portable modem. It, it's not practical to take mm-hmm. that to the beach and to run tethered, you know, and to be trying to do a video call plus, yeah. you know, tethered shoot. It just isn't It isn't practical for the model, um, even if they had the assistance, because you would need at least one. Yeah. Um, so then obviously bumps up the cost of any shoot yeah, dramatically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I loved it. I mean, the fact we had, we had great technical support from, from Mikhail's partner, yeah. you know, but we did all sorts. We did stuff in the water. We did stuff on the beach. You know, we, we did a, we've done a lot of different sort of looks with that, you know, and some of it was more on the casual, playful side. Yeah. You know, some of it was... Um, you know, was a, was a lot more thought out, you know. But the fact you have that capability, you know, of just basically, you know, having a phone and effectively off you go, which made it a lot easier in 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 some regards for us to to play around with styles because there wasn't the need to carry massive amounts of gear, which I thought was just perfect. And you know, it did have its downsides. There was times on one of the shoots where you know video was effectively so pixelated, I was struggling to see how yeah, yeah. the thing was composed. So at that point, you're just literally just. Um, Button bashing into and and in the hope that you've got something yeah. you can use, which I did. I mean, I think on one of them, I think there was well more for six hundred photos taken, in probably what was an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. But the thing is, I did that because I knew I couldn't, I couldn't manually check the results. I mean, I would always prefer quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to class, unfortunately, it ends up being you have to take the quantity to get the quality yeah. ones out of it. But I think sometimes that is that is indicative of most location shoots. Because you don't always have the time, you know, you, you're in you're in a you know an always changing situation when you're on location. So I think from that point of view, you just have to take the shots where you can get them and kind of hope to a certain degree you've actually got the you know the the one shot. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the shots that you guys took, you and Michaela, and it's almost like well, yeah, someone was there holding a the phone, but it, it could have easily been you there with a camera taking a shot like you say there's some of her in the ocean on the beach and stuff and it's just one of those amazing facts that um you're literally there with a phone that normally you think might not 
get great results, but those could easily be, if you hadn't said they were remote shoot, you could have thought someone was just there with Michaela taking shots on a camera. I actually was a bit cruel to a friend of mine when they said to me, you know, you can't you can't take as good a photos with 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 an iPhone mm-hmm. um, remotely as you could with a with a full DSLR. And so I basically, in this case, I took I took two I took two photos. Mm-hmm. Um, I took one I one I took with Michaela at the beach, and I took another one I'd done with Al Baldwinson. And I sent them to him, and I said, which one of these was taken with a mobile? Uh, unfortunately for him, they were both taken with a mobile. Yeah. And I did it to prove the point because yeah. obviously he he obviously picked up and said um, the one um, shot with Michaela was done with um, with a full setup, and I yeah. said, well, that wasn't true. Um, and I said, in fact, both of them were taken with a phone, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, and and they were both you know easily print quality. Exactly. Um, and the thing is, it's it's. I think what you get to the point now, and I say this to a lot of people because when um, because when I first started shooting models, um, I was still using the same the same EOS four fifty that I've had since mm-hmm. it came out, which I think now is about thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a twelve megapixel camera. It's nothing special, crop sensor. But yeah, if you saw some of the photos that I've taken on workshops with the likes of Tilly Feather, you would think I'd taken them with a much higher grade camera because you get to a point where well well in certain cases if you're doing stock photography where you know the megapixels and the image and the image um, matters as much but it doesn't matter as much as the creativity that you as the photographer and the model dream up between you because the thing is that's what matters the most you know it, it's the concept you're shooting it's yeah. how you're shooting it it's how you're editing it it's how it's presented to the world mm-hmm. because you could you could take one photo of the same model and even just give it to five different photographers to edit. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them would come back with something completely unique because it's how they view the world, how exactly, they yeah. how they go to edit. You know, um, and I often try to, where possible, leave as much a, a representation of the shot that we took as possible. But uh, you know, and occasionally with Charlie, like the Ice Queen shoot, I tried to do things a bit differently. I took it in a bit more of a of a creative um, effect. And I mean, mm-hmm. you you look at other people that love to do composites, like like Nemo, for instance. Yeah. You know, she really excels at that. It's not something that I would attempt to the level she does, but obviously she does, and she takes it to to a different level. And when I shoot with her, we always end up we literally take wacky to a whole new level. <laughs> I mean, I think a good example, um, I mean, probably just to go back to doing cloth shoots for a very quick second before mm-hmm. I tangent off, it's very much, I mean, I've shot with several models that I've worked with in person mm-hmm. um, doing it remotely. And we've done some ones that, you know, we've still got like Jennifer Barnsley where it's been, you know, where, where she, she's been at home and, you know, we've used lamps to, you know, simulate color gels. Mm-hmm. You know, ne- you know, using neon tops to really give it a different pop, and you know, even the same space shot multiple times. I mean, um, I think in one case we actually took um, a whole bunch of clothes and literally just laid them on a wood floor. Okay. You know, got got a tripod with a down with that and attached the phone to a tripod on, a, you know, hovering above it. You know, and it works. It's the same sort of thing you do in person, except you know, in you know, you'd obviously use a ladder or similar mm-hmm. to get that shot, unless you're Jade who happens to have the uh, right tripod to do it uh, <laughs> without having to. Uh, climb a set of ladders but that's kind of the thing of of, of how things have have got created so i think from that point of view it's it's definitely a thing um i mean just generally talking about creativity and remote shoots i mean two prime examples of that to me are definitely sort of um some of the stuff i shot with jade and um and also nemo um i mean nemo has a has a has a a real love for um you know creating lens flares and to to be using accessories in order to facilitate really 
wonderful sort of in-camera effects mm. you think are post-processed and they're not they're straight from the camera yeah you know, hovering stuff spinning stuff around um you know putting stuff in places mm. um and you know sometimes generally just pausing like mm. uh, glitter balls uh, and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah, yeah. So many, uh, mm. so many things. Mm. Um, and she's got code names for each and every one of them. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, Nemo, you've done a few events where, well, let's say probably you've done a few remote events. So let's take an example of the Creativity Hub where they've done like remote weekenders where there's been different themes. Do you see that as something when a company or group can do remotes again in person that they'll take that forward so it still leaves uh, the possibility of disabled photographers or photographers who can't travel for one reason or another to still be creative doing events i hope so um i've, I've seen it pop up a few places now where they're allocating certain amounts of event time mm-hmm. to be purely remote remote slots i think it's i think it's perfectly a great idea because obviously sometimes i would love to go to certain events and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily the expense is more logistically the type of logistics or time that I can't make. You know, obviously I live in the late district, so obviously I'm not exactly central mm-hmm. um, unless you're talking Scotland. Um, so usually for me to take talent to do in-person shoots usually involves a certain degree of, of travel, unless obviously it's the late district and it's on my doorstep, but we don't get the weather for that, unfortunately, <laughs> as much as a beautiful place as it is. So from that, um, yeah, it's it's great because you know you can find a time that work that works best, and um, you know sometimes, unfortunately, with remote with remote events, you do have to mm-hmm. accept that some things will get shuffled around if there's technical issues, and mm-hmm. I've had that a couple of times, which is fine. I think it's just you got to go in remembering that that this obviously you're utilizing you know advanced technology, mm-hmm. and from that world that creates a wonderful world of opportunity and accessibility. It isn't without its problems because nothing is perfect. Yeah. Um, so I think my first um, remote weekend, uh, I think was it was at Christmas, and um, just because of technical issues, you know, the first slot I was meant to do with Pippa, um, you know, couldn't happen. Well, you know, things were getting troubleshooted. Yeah. Of which, to be fair, that shoot is a particularly memorable one for me because uh, poor Ricky, I think, got moved. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I ended up taking his slot, but obviously off the back of that with, um, with Pippa, I got an FPI off that. So... Mm-hmm. But luckily, I think for me was it was one of these where it was still a bit new for everyone trying yeah. to trying to do an event of that type. And I think it, it was a grateful thing that I happened to be one of the people that had met obviously Nemo and Pippa in person mm-hmm. and shot with them. So it was a bit easier to kind of I'd already built up some level of rapport. And I mm-hmm. think that is one thing I will say about remote shooting is that you still have to focus on building that rapport with people yeah. that you don't have. Because it's not different than being a person, except the only downside is there's no fit, you're not physically there. Mm. And that creates, you know, an, an interesting dynamic in, in some mm. ways that obviously for some models this will this will present, you know, obviously to a certain degree a technological safety net for them, mm-hmm. which has obviously been a big topic of conversation recently. But also by that is it's it's a lot more difficult for for the models to necessarily read a photographer's body language the same because obviously yeah. they're only seeing whatever's on screen. But you know, I think it's just about, you know communication throughout whether that be in person or remote is kind of mm-hmm. key but i definitely think it's it's created an interesting dynamic with, with being remote and it's definitely something i hope continues because i think it has the power to to enable people of all abilities to be mm-hmm. able to do it because people that would never touch the camera before in their life never never known what you know what, what aperture is and, and shutter speeds and now taking something up that they never would have thought before because obviously the the barrier to entry with 
with photography, well, ultimately, most people should realize it's literally a camera, whether that be the one on your phone or a DSLR or whatever. And but I think people get a lot caught up thinking that they need every bit of latest gear on the planet. And they don't. I mean, to be fair, it's only within this last sort sort of 12 months that I've even got my own sort of flash and a few other bits and pieces that just that I've realized that I need in my toolkit for stuff that I like to do. But then you go to a studio and if you get to some really good ones, you know, they'll really help you out and yeah. really sort of sort of guide you. And if you're lucky enough to shoot with a professional um, model that, that is a photographer as well, they can help guide them settings. But I have been um, lucky enough to be experienced enough to work with some models now shooting remotely that don't know how their camera works. Mm. They don't understand, you know, what bit, you know, they understand that Apple get in, turn it on. Yeah. And beyond that, you are kind of left to help them out. Mm. And, you know, I have done that with some models. I've, you know, I've happily, you know, taken time to to fix problems mm. they've had with the remote shooting setup, um, only because I thought it was the right thing to do. Mm. Because the thing is, it helps everyone. You know, they'd obviously gone from moving from uh, from a mobile to um to a full to a full tethered setup and. You know, that was a new experience for them. And, you know, they'd actually got a really decent camera, really quality lens, beautiful bit of kit. Mm. But when you don't understand how it works and how, you know, how to make it work remotely, you know, it, there's apprehension there. And I think sometimes, you know, everyone needs a little help. So I'm always I'm always willing to help to help people out to make sure that they're, you know, they're, they're happy and comfortable and they can use it. Because the thing is, the one thing I will, I've, I've definitely noticed, obviously, with the lockdowns and stuff, is that, you know, models can't shoot like they used to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are obviously self-employed. Uh, you know, it's, it's been tough for a lot of models that have moved into modeling recently that haven't been able to get the same support that maybe more established models have done. So, you know, this last year has been tough for a lot of people. And I think it's, it's nice to support people and to kind of see how, you know, how you can help them be creative, also, you know, supporting them mm-hmm. as well. And I think that's, I think that's definitely been sort of something that I've found worthwhile because I've still got to be creative with people that, um, you know, that I know and that I have a lot of fun with. Um, you know, and we get some great images and we throw around some great ideas and, more often than not, you will come out with more ideas um, off the back of it, which which is which is really good. And I mean, I've got a whole bunch of in-person shoots now, sort of scheduled for this year, mm-hmm. uh, that are going to be amazing. And I think it's going to be different for me because I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to switch from from my style of remote shooting, where everything is kind of tripoded, all nice and stable, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just operating my laptop one-handed. Whereas um, I'm going to have to go back to actually operating a camera one-handed. <laughs> and this is what I say by um, Having a tripod is a good thing, but obviously mm. when you're one-handed, obviously the, the logistics of moving even a tripod, uh, you know, it it requires an effort of, you know, um, you got to put the camera down and, you know, take mm. the camera off the tripod and move it down and, and think about sort of the angles as far as me mm. physically getting down, obviously, I mean, only full capability of one of one side and mm-hmm. um, creates a whole bunch of uh, challenges when you have to kind of hold a camera or make sure you're not about to drop a, you know, a very expensive camera. Yeah. Um while trying to get yourself into position. And, you know, it, it slows proceedings down a bit, which I kind of factor in in mm-hmm. the time I allot for shoots. But I often find just go with the flow and see mm-hmm. what the model also fancies doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't keep to a strict schedule. I just kind of say, well, we might use this over here, try this. Um, I still think some studios should probably come with a nice little platform for some models to stand on. Mm-hmm. So as poor souls, when we end up on the floor, have a little bit yeah. of a wiggle room to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a tie about this. Um, there was this shoot I did um, before I forget which lockdown it was. Before one of the lockdowns, and I was down. I was down south, and we decided we were going to do it in a hotel room. 
mm-hmm. um, just because I think at the time like most studios were like cancelling bookings. Yes. And it was really funny. Um, the best way I can describe this setup was the basically um, the lenses I took with me in order to get the shot mm-hmm. at, against the window of, uh, of the model I was shooting, um, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up being where I basically was basically lying on the floor <laughs> to, just to get the uh, camera angle for this uh, for this shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the time, uh, as soon as we took the shot, she kind of said, I wish we'd had a second camera in here um, because the best way I could describe it was basically the um, the pink room from the uh, the pink room scene from the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, and that was pretty much um, the extent of it. And literally, I literally had my camera completely on the fly. I was com- almost completely prone just to try and get this shot upwards that just so I could get her in shot. And it was literally, it was one of those shots where there was no chance of seeing the viewfinder. Live mm-hmm. view is next to useless. And it literally was almost like a Hail Mary shot. And it worked. And it's one of those where you know, sometimes you have to put yourself into into uncomfortable positions to yeah. to get the shot. But it it was just funny, and um, you know, it's 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 always the stuff with photography. It's the behind the scenes, the stuff that people don't see. You know, either it's the funny stuff you have to do to get that one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the case like Mr. Summers hanging, you know, hanging yeah. the camera over, over over the edge of a balcony yeah. just just to get that shot. It's, you know, the funny situations you find yourself in with, with models just to get that shot, and it's it's always the laughs and the mm-hmm. hilarity and the stuff that people don't get to see. They only get to see the the, re- the end result. Yeah, yeah, is what you present to the mm-hmm. world, but they don't get to see the outtakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the endless laughing because you've said something that has just yeah. kind of kicked kick someone off laughing you know cracking themselves up laughing the bad photographer jokes <laughs> oh they were talking about me when did that <laughs> but yeah it's, it's such a it's such an interesting thing to to sort of it's the one thing i, I do love uh, about photography mm-hmm. um is it's such a for me it's such a creative outlet and yeah so it's it's always kind of my, my ethos just to just to roll with it um, and just to keep things chill, I mean that's it you know everyone has everyone as long as everyone's mm-hmm. you know comfortable safe happy and enjoying themselves yeah, what module? I definitely think it comes across in some of your work because I'm literally looking. Say recently, you did a shoot with uh, Cheryl Elizabeth, and like those balloon shots are like epic. I've got to say that. Where uh, obviously yeah. you can see that she's relaxed and she's willing to like say put a hand up to the camera, have balloons around her, and just, and you can just see she's happy to be taking, be being creative and taking the pictures, and that's even more an, an aspect where it's like it's all done remotely so that's something where i would say you've excelled much more than a person in person could do it yeah that shoot that shoot was an interesting one because it was it was originally had to be rescheduled last minute which which wasn't a problem for me but obviously uh the fun the fun part that was was when we decided to discuss what we to shoot and um, it was really difficult to sometimes when you're working with someone for the first time, mm-hmm. which I wasn't in that case. Although I'd I'd obviously met her um, previously, obviously due to the socials, so I already knew her quite well. But it's sometimes um, people, you know, they'll say to me, you know, what do you want to shoot? And I'm like, it's kind of one of these things that I I take my cues from the model's comfort with me because I I know I've been lucky enough to work with some models that. Now, you know, now predominantly will not accept doing art new shoots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I was to ask them, I know they'd say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very lucky at that, that I, I have that level of trust with with models that I work with. But I used to take the cues from how they feel, going back to my thing about obviously not every model will work yeah. at every level yeah. with every photographer. 
and I take the cues I have from from how they feel and their comfort level with me, um, which I think is it's the safest way to be. Mm-hmm. So I often, so I think we were talking, and I kind of said, well, because I, I I knew she had a lot of sheer material. I said, well, how about we basically just play on the word sheer yeah. um, as a general theme, and then we ended up with balloons, um, <laughs> as you do, <laughs> as you do, and it really it really worked out mm-hmm. well. And you know, it's just all about you know. Mm. You have a laugh. I, t- I, I more often than not tell some funny stories because mm. I happen to have a few. I was very fortunate through my day job to to travel to various places mm-hmm. internationally. So I have a lot of funny stories mm-hmm. because um, crazy things seem to happen to me wherever I go, <laughs> um, which is part of the fun sometimes. Yeah. And one of the things I've missed during lockdown is, is getting out and about to mm-hmm. see my friends and, 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 and do fun things with them. So with that, obviously, you know, it, it's useful. I find it's useful to you mm. know tell a few stories, not not necessarily get personal, but if you've got a funny story that you think yeah. you know will make people feel at ease, exactly, you know, yeah. or they might enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's obviously you know, it's it's nice to 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 sort of less be less sort of boredom. Um, I mean, obviously, my style with remote shooting is I try to count the models in. I try to tell them when I'm yeah. focusing, so they know you know when to when to pause, when to blink. Because uh, uh, I think one thing that kind of um, took me back a little bit was one uh, was one model I was working with, um, and she kept apologising for blinking. And I and I was a bit taken back, like, why are you apologizing for blinking? Like that's gonna happen. Like yeah. even if I was in the room with you right now, that would still be the case. Yeah, it happens yeah. with normal photography as well. You even yeah. I'll, I'll catch sometimes a model just happens to blink as you press the shutter. So yeah, that's something that occurs both in person and remotely. But I I think it's it, it's it's more something that seems to be expected mm-hmm. less of with our um transatlantic cousins i think um okay. I, it seems to be more of a thing that i've heard from from sort of mm-hmm. dealing with american photographers that's been experienced i'd like to say i if it if we you know if someone catch it you know if they're blinking at the same time yeah. fine if they're moving you just retake the shot because mm-hmm. what i often do when i'm doing remotely is i tend to find there's between three and five seconds between me pressing something my side and mm-hmm. actual action on the other side so the first few shots you're taking is basically you counting down, mm-hmm. basically how how long you need to count in or when you need to press yeah. in relation to your countdown to get that shot, which I just think is 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 is, is hilarious. Um, I mean, it was it was a great thing. I mean, I have had a few minor pitfalls with remote shooting, and I think the biggest one I have today, which wasn't as far as technically getting the images because the images were amazing, yeah. uh, which was working with Sienna Hayes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was my first time shooting. I think it was with, with a Sony, yeah. and basically I didn't. I shot with a wider format um, file, so I think it was the, the in, was it ten was it ten by nine or mm-hmm. um, six by nine format, which I didn't. Which I thought, oh great, because that means I'm going to get you know going to get be able to get better full lengths. Yeah. Little did I think about that at the time. So I got a whole bunch of photos which are absolutely amazing and mm-hmm. and full length, but getting them printed suddenly becomes a very a very much more of a bigger problem okay, um, yeah. because obviously it's a non-standard sort of print format so mm-hmm. it ends up being something gets cropped or uh, or you know you have to you have to effectively crop it or you end up mm-hmm. having a lot of white space so it's a you know you live and learn with these things um but to be fair i could have made the same mistake in person as i did with that but again that that was quite interesting because mm-hmm. that was that was the remote shoot that was um that was a model in canada and the the actual um location was an amazing moroccan yeah themed. yeah yeah 
um, studio. And that was just another one where, where it was really interesting because it was, again, first time working with someone completely new. And it's, it's a bit like when you meet anyone for the first time with that, you know, that's, um, you know, in any sort of social interaction of any kind or in yeah. business setting where, you know, you, you very quickly in the first five minutes trying to work out sort of what sort of person mm-hmm. are you dealing with. And I think that sort of, I think remote shoots have highlighted the mm-hmm. fact of communication is still king yeah um throughout i think with that it's it's kind of a lot of time it's 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 working out do you want to prescribe set of ideas or do you just want to roll with the floor whatever happens on the day that's everyone's choice of how they want to mm-hmm. approach that my number one is basically you know mm-hmm. everyone having fun because the thing is you know there's um you know there's, there's a time investment in in doing remote shoots as well as sort of a monetary one you know and i and i think ultimately you know you know that kind of you know, while people think, you know, it's someone's full-time job and that is completely yeah. right, that doesn't mean they can't have fun while they do their mm-hmm. job. Some people want to be serious, other people want to be fun. I just try and create a fun, fun working environment because I'm thinking if the other person's miserable, then I'm going to feel miserable. And it's going to come uh, across in the pictures, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So moving on to how you approach a model, how do you get the ideas you'd like to capture? Do you use a mood board or is it just an email to a model? Um, it, it can be a mixture sometimes. I mean, obviously, sometimes uh, what inspired me to work with a model is sometimes, you know, the, their look that they have or something I've seen that kind of inspired me to do, you know, something different mm-hmm. with them. But more than not, it depends how I, I know them. Sometimes that will be, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Purple Port, I'll shoot them a message you know, apply to a casting or I will, if I happen to know them, I'll, I'll ping them on social media. And usually I'll, you know, we'll kind of, we'll book something in. Then sometimes it'll be kind of, uh, you know, I'll throw out an idea, like some of them, I think with, with, with Carla, I think we sort of describe sort of an old sort of Hollywood glamour mm-hmm. kind of, kind of theme. And obviously she said she had obviously a big Fresno light, which was, which was perfect. She had the dresses, you know, we also threw in the sort of, we did almost them, um, best way to describe it like a, it is like an artist muse kind of um, yep, yep. vibe, obviously with sort of painted canvas and stuff. And it's, it's, I find it's kind of best for me as a photographer because obviously, especially remotely, I don't know what they what they're working with, what they have as far as um, outfits and sort of accessories in, in in their space as well. And I've shot with them before, um, so I often just throw out a rough idea or a couple of ideas for you know for some material shoot. I train my personal sort of guidance is try to keep like one sort of one look to about 20 minutes half an hour uh, and then move on sometimes that completely just goes out the window but you just expect that but if that's kind of the ballpark i run to then people can kind of it gives them a bit of a gauge as to what we might get through and yeah i've worked with some models where we've got through a lot more than that but it just depends you know on how we feel about the end result shots have we got enough early on or do we need to spend some more time so yeah it really depends sometimes we'll, we'll throw out a mood board or i'll select one that they may have already published i always try and at least on the first shoot of working with a model yeah. is make sure that whatever we're shooting something either it's a concept they really like or it's something that they've done they've done before so i know that they're not going to be um you know it gives them that time to get to know me and be comfortable mm-hmm. with me and um, before we move on to any levels that, that might be more um intimate shall we say mm-hmm. so i tend to do that where I keep things kind of make sure that, that ultimately they're, they're comfortable with me because it's not always the case. And, and while you could say that's their job and, and they accept mm-hmm. that, they should. Um, by the same token, that's it's going to show in the photos if, they do, if they're not happy uh, or not comfortable. And I don't want that. So, you know, I, I, like, I like shooting me to be to be a fun experience. Yeah, and you've been um, respectable to the model as well. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is the number one rule mm-hmm. always. 
which is unfortunate. We hear too many stories of that not being the case, which mm-hmm. is yeah. very sad. Very saddening to me, at least, mm-hmm. because most of the models I know with are absolutely um, are absolutely fabulous models and even better people. So I'm very lucky with mm-hmm. some of the people that I've shot with, and some that I've only shot with a few times have become such amazing friends mm-hmm. outside of you know uh, yeah. sort of the model photographer relationship. That you know I'm very very fortunate um, to know such amazing people, and I think once you get to know them, you realise that while most people generally by and large outside of the photography community will think a model's just a pretty face and um, they often don't get to see the the depths that a model has because a lot of models are very intelligent they're all very intelligent women a lot of them are photographers themselves a lot of them there's a lot more depth to them than people even think but that's the same with any human until you get to know them but I think it's definitely more apparent that you know I've got to meet some amazing people some interesting you know interesting stories and they've, they've taught me things as well and that's you know, I think that's part of sort of sharing the whole experience with someone is, you know, um, it's what I typically, you know, uh, when you deal with people, you know, if you if you can learn from them and you can teach them something, you know, that share of, of information makes everybody better. And that doesn't really matter what field you're working, whether that's photography or any other field, you know, you should be open to doing that. But unfortunately, not everyone is. And mm-hmm. there were some people that are very guarded about how they do stuff. But I'm like, no, no, just try it. You know, yeah. sometimes yeah. My, my method is you, you learn by doing trial yeah. and error. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you move on. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. And that's always my thing with, with any ideas that I throw out. Because mm. sometimes, obviously, if we're winging it, as it were, I will sometimes say, look, um, I'll get an idea. I literally have a mid-shoe. We'll ha- I'll just have a little idea that pops in my head. Mm. What I usually say to the model is, unless it's someone I sort of know very well, is I'll say, look, I have a habit of, like, my, my brain will think of something. Mm. I will throw an idea out. If you really don't like the idea, fine, say so. And, mm. you know, next idea, move on. Mm. Uh, but if you fan- if it's something you fancy trying as well, you know we'll give we'll give mm. it a whirl. And you know I do I do it like that. And I always say you know I'm not I, I like to experiment with my, with yeah. with photography. So I, I'm never I'm never afraid to fail because you know failure just means you found something that doesn't work. Yeah, and then you've but, learned from that experience as well. Or you may have found something that you never thought would work that actually turns mm. out to be a, to be a class idea. Exactly. Um, but you don't know until you try. Mm. So, you know, never say never. Just mm. um, like I say, it, it's one of these things where you just have to be mm. open open to new ideas and just see what happens. Mm. I mean, I've had models come to me and say, I really want to try this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to experiment with any ideas they have that they've not tried. I mean, that probably seems like a hard thing, but sometimes from, from my experiences that it's not as frequent as maybe I expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy when obviously you've got, um, you know, when you've got a model, model and photographer partnership. Obviously, you got you got uh, you got Rochelle and Mr. Summers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Team Black. Um, so they obviously cover off a lot of the ideas they have mm-hmm. amongst themselves. But even sometimes they can't get through every idea that they that they would like in the time they have. So sometimes it's fun just to take an idea they've been mulling around for a while and just and just rolling with it. And I like that collaboration. Like mm-hmm. even in remote shoots, one thing that isn't really discussed is often that 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 you know the models' partners are often the tech support. Yeah. And I often say to them because I know one or two, and they're like they're in the background and they're pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It, it, we're going to have a conversation. It's going to be a three-way conversation. You know, yeah. I expect that your partner's going to chime in. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Michaela and a partner, Martin. Yeah, I, I chat with them both, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's part of that thing where we're chatting together. You know, it's never one or the other. You know, it's yeah. a you know, it's it's, 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 it's a, a team great, trying a, to get to the same point. Yeah. And it makes life easier because you can have a joke with with you know with everyone, and you know it's um, I think it's fun because you, you get to you get to meet people. And the thing is, I know some photographers maybe don't prefer to speak to the you know to the tech support. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, I just think it should just be yeah. one big collaboration, one big conversation. Mm-hmm. 
just in, just enjoy the time as it stands because I think that you know I, I think there is a lot of um, unsung heroes in sort of partners and models yeah. during during remote shoots that are doing a lot behind the scenes that people don't see. I mean, obviously you've got people like Kira who I haven't worked with yet mm-hmm. that obviously that obviously does it all herself, and I know a few like that. And it's kind of um, you know I've also seen as well you know models with uh, mobile tripods uh, stacking books up on a coffee table yeah, to yeah. get the right height for uh, for the shot. Uh, you know, completely natural light. You know, no reflectors, nothing. You know, sometimes up against the wall. And luckily for me, it's people that I've worked with, so it's, it's, it's they're less worried about working with me remotely because it's not something they typically offer, and it's not something they've done much of. So mm-hmm. it's you know, sometimes they just want somebody to give it a try with. And I've done that with a few models during lockdown that have not done remote shoots or offered them publicly, but I've done them with them just to give it a try. Um, in fact, I've got one case, I think, was, um, was Elizabeth, where literally I was I was at home on a Sunday afternoon. It was right when we'd had a lot of snow. And she re- literally messaged me saying, I've got snow. And I went, that's good. <laughs> you enjoying it? And she's like, yeah, but I really want to be out shoot, outside shooting in the snow. Yeah. How, do you do, how do you do these things called remote shoots? Okay. Um, so we ended up um, firing up Kloss. And you'll probably find, actually, be fair, you'll probably find a couple on my, on my profile if you go look. And basically, ended up taking, um, ended up taking a um, tripod uh, with a phone attached, booting up claws out in, out into a garden, and basically took some shots of her in heels and heels and uh, black lingerie in in the snow. But I mean, like with that, it was very candid, very sort mm. of casual. I mean, how can I put? There's only so much you can work with in, in someone's yeah. garden that hasn't been prepped. I mean, we, we all can't be. Uh, like like a like a certain model we know that has everything sort of perfect even mm-hmm. even in a garden despite the effort that involves and mm. uh, naming no names uh, Michelle <laughs> <laughs> but um, with that um, you know we, we did what we could mm. and we we had fun with it and it was some because I mean instantly as a photographer especially not being there in person I'm like what's the temperature like because I'm like yeah you're going to be outside minimal clothes. Um, you know, we need to kind of make this snappy because if it is cold where you are, like I'm not having, uh, you know, I don't want it on my conscience that you're basically going to be, you know, get hypothermia or worse um, as a result of trying this. And she was okay, thank goodness. And it was just, you know, it was so fun. I mean, unfortunately, because we were using Kloss and the timing issue, Mm -hmm. because we were trying to actually get a shot, which we unfortunately failed to do, which was trying to get a shot of her blowing blowing snow to the camera. Mm -hmm. And we just couldn't do it. It just we couldn't get the timing right, and we couldn't even get it to shut to like high speed shutter enough to be able to, to pull it off. And we we're just like, yeah. yeah, next time there's no and there's no things, and we'll 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 sort we'll we'll redo that. But that's where remote shooting has its limitations: mm-hmm. is that you can't do the same stuff you would in person. Like in person, that would be fine. You would you would compose mm-hmm. the shot on a tripod. You know, you would you you would either have a quick release button, or you would just set a, you know high speed shutter, and and just press it. You know, and you and you'd be good to go. Mm. Um, but obviously you don't get that with you know with, with mobile apps and it's not practical but at least um, you tried but we give it a whirl yeah. and it was fun it, it was it was a lot of fun it was something that while it isn't something she chose to do more of it was mm-hmm. one of those that were like it still was a good memory was a was a fun mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon that nobody intended to have mm-hmm. but it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and yeah I, I love it I mean this is this is the fun thing about knowing yeah. such amazing people is that sometimes they will reach out to you for doing stuff mm-hmm. and um it's not something I never I mean initially when I first started doing this I was always kind of of the approach that um because my disability and being somewhat less able mm-hmm. than most people I always took the approach of you know it was easier sort of for me, for my own personal sort of feelings, it was easy to to sort of pay for a shoot just because then if I screw up, it's on me. Yeah. Uh, rather than doing sort of time for where, you know, someone's given up their time to shoot with me mm-hmm. and, you know, it's on me to deliver at that point. 
or us both to deliver. But you know, mainly then, you know, I want less sort of technical hiccups from my side or physical uh, hiccups from my side. And that was, you know, that was a very different sort of mindset for me. Whereas a lot of people, you know, start with sort of time fall mm-hmm. and sort of gain their experience that way. So I sort of, um, I did it the other way, but by the same token, you know, I got to work with some people that were very, very patient with me, mm-hmm. which, which is, which is fun. You know, we get to laugh about it. I often make a joke about more often than not, I end up on the floor more on the models, <laughs> um, which is pretty, pretty true. But, but you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of, I took that approach um, just because it, it made me feel better that I was mm-hmm. valuing someone's time, you know, less, less amount, which mm-hmm. nowadays isn't necessarily the case, but you know, when you're first learning and, and, I think that's the other side of the thing is while I'm not sort of full-time professional doing this, mm-hmm. I'm, I kind of do it. I've, I've been doing it as a hobby, but, you know, I may do it a bit more, try and be a bit more professional this year. But it does beg the question with the other side is, you know, a lot of people say, you know, a professional is someone that does it full-time being paid for it. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily have an indication of sort of technical expertise or, in fact, a quality of image, mm-hmm. which I think the other other ones of our uh, esteemed photographer colleagues have, have highlighted Um mm-hmm. And I think that is definitely the case. And it's one question that in any industry is, aside from being paid to do something, is, you know, what what defines you as expert? You know, how do you know where you are on your journey? Mm-hmm. You know, are you, you know, because probably in, in some aspects now, I'm probably still a beginner in certain areas of photography, mm-hmm. but yet in others, you know, some people might call me intermediate or advanced. Mm-hmm. You know, it's at, it's at what point, you know, um, you know it, it's where, where the people draw that line other than your own personal sort of view of how, you, you know, where you were. And I mean, I've seen it sometimes you get some people, you see new people creating, you know, portfolios and you often, you know, you go and look at someone says that they're, you know, full-time professional photographer and you look at their work and you, and you're like, okay, where do I measure up against that? And mm-hmm. there is that kind of a thing, you know, in a, in any industry, you know, imposter syndrome is a thing. Exactly. Um, and it's always the thing I try to think is that, you know, if you look at basically where you were 12 months ago, mm-hmm. are you better now than you were 12 months ago? Yeah. In which case there's progress and there should always be progress. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much um, the oddity I, I say to people whenever people say to me, you know, about, you know, the odd one that comes up is obviously yoga. And like, I know a lot of people and they go, I can't do yoga. People mm-hmm. look at me and laugh at me if I go to a yoga class. Mm-hmm. And, and I often turn around to them and said, uh, you know, as someone who's, who's basically only got full use of one side of his body, mm-hmm. I often say to them and go, and you think I really have, you know, you think like I, I have, I don't have a problem there. Yeah. But the one thing you learn in yoga is basically A, to listen to your body and do what you can. And I have a million and one different modifications I do for certain poses mm-hmm. just to make it practical for me to do a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what you suddenly realize is that nobody cares about you. They're too busy working on themselves. But the thing is, if you are better tomorrow than you were yesterday, then there's progress. And the progress needs to be you and your individual journey. And I think with any profession, that is the same. But I think it's so easy to compare yourself. And I mean, the way I look at it is is I try and find people that inspire me. I mean, obviously, I look at some of the work you've done with some people that I've worked with and people that I still want to work with and I haven't had a chance to yet. And and you look and you think that, you know, it's amazing. I mean, you look at people, you know, like Russell James, you know, does a lot of work with, you know, the Victoria's Secret models mm-hmm. and has done for a number of years. Um, and you look at their work and you think, you know, technically, wow, it's amazing. And it's quite clear the relationship he has with the people that he works with because of obviously the shots that he gets. Mm-hmm. But you suddenly realize that once upon a time, he was a, he was, he was a guy with a camera. You yeah. know, he was a guy that was starting out. It didn't, it didn't all of a sudden overnight become, you know, this, you know, well-known successful photographer uh, you know and i think very few of us will ever make that level mm. and i think originally when i started photography in the first place it was all about capturing a moment in time mm. 
it was never about you know working in portraiture or you know or working with you know famous models or it was just about capturing a moment in time a memory and having that memory preserved in you know in, in what was film before digital and that's all photography used to be is capturing that moment in time that event you know and I've, I've been at places where the only the only camera I had access to was my phone and I still managed to get some awesome photos of memories of points in time stuff that I now look back on you know and think you know wow I was there but also something to share the world with people I mean the one thing I, I, I do a lot of when I travel uh, for work is I always bring little mementos and stuff back for 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 like for like my niece. And with that, it's it's mainly to be, you know, I've been somewhere, I've got something to show you, you know, usually it's stuff like currency and stories. And I'll go out and I'll take things, I'll have little adventures and and try and get these stories, these memories and, and capture them on film, video, just stuff to, you know, to to show the world and just just memories that you have, stuff that future generations will look back on when the world's very different. I mean, if we want to take that as a case, I mean, just look at the last 12 months. Yeah. Little did we think 12 months ago the world would change overnight. And yeah. It has. But yeah, a lot of us now are looking back to the year, you know, to 2019, thinking how the world was versus now. And, you know, a lot of us are itching to be back, you know, to be back shooting in person, to be able to, you know, hug our friends and family and, mm-hmm. you know, and have fun, go on holiday. And, the, and them days will, will return. Mm-hmm. What we will have is all of the photos that were taken during this time mm-hmm. of, you know, of the lockdown, of the creativity and the ingenuity that people have mm-hmm. taken to, to still remember the time that we had where, you know, the world was, was severely restricted. It's not a time I will forget anytime soon. Um, I mean, I've got plenty of stories surrounding <laughs> the start of lockdown um, because obviously for the start of lockdown for me, I was due to travel um, internationally, funny enough, to China. And my travel got cancelled about three days before I was due to travel. Mm-hmm. And it was literally just before China went into went into its lockdown. So I always remember stuff like that because mm-hmm. it was a time that you know I almost got uh, almost ended up in a lockdown in China mm-hmm. had I travelled. And you know some things like that will stick with you. As as I'm sure many people have very similar stories. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know this lockdown, this last twelve months, taken a lot from a lot of people. But I'm hopeful that you know remote shoots are here to stay, and that you know people's lives will be better very soon. It won't be perfect for a while, but it should hopefully improve. So when you're doing remote shoot, what do you find has been the best uh, length of time for you? Is it two, three, four hours? Definitely a minimum of two hours uh, leading up to four, depending on obviously time zones and Mm -hmm. stuff. But I tend to find minimum of two hours because obviously you have to allow a little bit of time, especially if it's someone you haven't worked with before. You need at least a good 20 minutes, half an hour to get your first set out of the way, even mm-hmm. if it's just, you know, introductions and stuff. And and I expect that, you know, ultimately at least half an hour will be lost just through the flow of things, which you mm-hmm. wouldn't, which to be fair, you would still have in person, but mm-hmm. remotely it's much more vital in my book to have that introduction in the time, even if it's someone you shot with before, mm-hmm. because you'll be wanting to catch up, see how people are doing, the usual stuff you would do in person. And I think that's, I think that's worthwhile. So I usually aim for at least two hours, sometimes four, and that works out to be, you know, anywhere in between that can can be good. My advice is just don't worry about getting massive number of shots. Just yeah. focus on the quality, focus on getting it as right as you want it to be. You know, um, look, you know, review them together. I mean, yeah. I know some photographers don't like to, don't necessarily feel like they need that feedback, but mm-hmm. The model might appreciate that that insight mm-hmm. into what you've captured, how you've captured it, because everyone has obviously their own different styles of how they shoot, you know, how how they want it exposed, and um, the various other technical settings, because that varies as, as as unique as fingerprint from photographer to mm-hmm. photographer. But yeah, and and mainly just have fun. Yeah, just don't don't worry about the time too much because it'll soon pass. It always does very yeah, quickly. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Sometimes if you feel like you need to get through certain things in, in the time you have together, set a timer. But yeah, don't stress if you overrun, it happens. Um, 
most models understand that. I mean, I have a, many a model that have we've overrun in time, mm. but to get the shot, you know, they've even you know they've even given me extra time to to allow us to get that to get that shot mm-hmm. that even they had in the head. It varies by the model you're working with, and obviously your relationship with them. But you know, if they want that shot too, you know, they're going to work with you to get it. So thanks for doing the podcast. Where can people find your work? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at deanm.photography. Well, cheers, Dean, for doing the podcast. It's been very insightful, so I'm hopeful that people will enjoy all the information you've given. Thank you very much for having me, and I hope everyone has a great day. Right, so the first thing I'll do, I'll just do like, um, say hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Hi, Dean. Thanks for doing the podcast. Um, if people don't know who you are, can you give a brief? There we go. Let's try this again. Right, come on. And I, I really want to burp, but I, I don't know if I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs>